Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Greetings. So my name's Dion, if you don't know me by now. Um, and then my wife's Kim. And I just love the Holy Spirit. Don't you? Okay, let me say that again. Should I say that again? Just in case we, we get this wrong. I love the Holy Spirit, do you? Okay, yeah. That's like on a scale of one to what? That's like a, that's like a three. I love the Holy Let me do it a little bit more passionately. I love the Holy Spirit and His presence. Do you? Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We're getting there. You're getting there. Okay. I, man, so what happened here is just a snippet of actually what I'm feeling to share on. Because um, a while back, uh, Andrew did a preach. Most of you probably watched it. It was called This Is That. I don't know if did you all see that or... We exposed that just about the manifestations of the Spirit. So what I felt to do is give you a bit of a testimony of my life. Then I'll go to uh, a passage in the book of Acts. I may need some water or something. I can see I'm going to shout or do something exciting. <laughs> so I, I want to just tell you about a story of my journey with the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to go to a, uh, a passage in the book of Acts. I've been going through the book of Acts. And just want to touch on a passage and speak a little about the manifestations and the greatest manifestations of the Spirit. I've called the topic of what I want to preach on this is that and then. Because uh, Andrew spoke about this is that from, uh, from Acts chapter 2 when Peter preached and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and some of this stuff was happening and infilling of the Spirit and speaking tongues and manifestations and, Paul, and Peter said this is that. But after that happened, there was a then. Okay, so I want to touch on that. So, uh, just a little bit about myself you don't know. So I'm married for nearly 40 years. Well done. Who's well done? Like both of us, okay. <laughs> okay, end of the year, we married 40 years. I've got two sons, two granddaughters, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? Anyway, you, you would understand it. You'll see one of these days when you have children, you've got parents, you've got to love. Oh, man, and I'm one of those crazy granddads, okay. You would never say so, eh? <laughs> Okay, and I grew up uh, in a Baptist church. That's, I was raised in Baptist church, very much the Word. Love the Word of God, love the Bible, love the teaching and the principles and line upon line upon line. And then I went to the army for two years. In the second year, in my, uh, my stint in the army, so who's been to, who went to this conscription army? Any of you? Yeah. There we go. Two years. Okay, there we go. There we go. So there are a few of us that remember those days. And I was in a Methodist church at the time, my second year. And I went to a youth meeting, and I wasn't looking for anything but some company and fellowship, and the Holy Spirit came, and I started speaking in a language that I understood that this was speaking in tongues, but I had no concept of what it was. God, in His gracious mercy, filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I didn't even ask for it, which is just God's grace. And so, my journey... But the person of the Holy Spirit began. And so through various stages of my journey, it was like, okay, speaking in tongues is okay, but some of these other manifestations that I'm seeing is like, uh-uh, not okay. Until one day I was praying, I went, I was, I'm a teacher by profession, 
I went to school camp and uh, a, a scripture union camp, uh, sorry, SEA camp. And two girls asked me to pray for them in, in the context uh, of that camp was, why don't you pray for us for the, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit when I speak in tongues? So generally, I'm quite courageous, but I had no idea what I'm doing. Okay, so I said, okay. <laughs> so here I am, typical Baptist, where, you know, I did the thing that you shouldn't be doing when you're praying for people is actually close your eyes. Okay, so when you're praying, generally speaking with, the, with regard to the Holy Spirit, you can close your eyes, it isn't a rule, but often when you're praying for people you, and there's manifestations of the Holy Spirit, it would be good to keep your eyes open because the Lord listens to prayers when your eyes are open and closed. <laughs> okay, and I pray for them, and I, my eyes are closed, and I'm praying for them, and I'm and speaking my tongue and everything, and I open my eyes, and they're not standing, and they're like on the ground, slain in the spirit. And I didn't even believe in that stuff. I'm thinking, Baptist? Secret speaking tongues behind the scenes. And there's two of the girls slain in the spirit. And I'm thinking, there must be a measure of God in this. But okay, it's for others and it's not for me. Uh, a man by the name of Rob Rufus comes to our church and I got the phase in different phases of my growth in my walk with the Holy Spirit that I said, Lord, if this is of you, then you can do it. I got that stage in my life where, where I uh, said, I'm submitted. Holy Spirit, you're going to do this thing. Rob Rufus, some of you may or may not know who he is, was you know, on the team in uh, New Covenant Ministry days when I was part of that church. And he, he was one of those guys that said, all of you hold hands, and I'm going to pray like this. Yeah. So I said, okay, Lord, here I am. I kid you not. I was like, yeah. Holding Kim's hand, she was here. And as his hand came towards, as, as, the, as, his hand, as he's praying for the Holy Spirit, I literally landed up three rows back, lifted off my feet, Land on my back, and I knew, okay, Holy Spirit, you're real. I think one of the things that the Holy Spirit taught me was this relationship that I can have with him by speaking in tongues, and he's real. He's not just this force. And uh, from that day onwards, I've embraced what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So, so, you, so when someone goes, and it's in the Holy Spirit, well, Lord, if you want to do that, was like, ooh, ooh. So, it's the Holy Spirit. I, I want to say that the Holy Spirit is no respect of people. When I see people shaking in the Spirit, when I see uh, people prophesying in the Spirit, when I see people being slain in the Spirit, I, I cannot look at that and say, God's not in that. I think this is what Andrew's trying to say. It's in the Bible. These things that are happening. And I learned to embrace it. There was one night that uh, uh, a prophetic guy came to our church while in the church in Mossel Bay. And he prayed for us. Now, I'm the pastor of the church, okay? <laughs> and they literally had to carry me out. I was so inebriated. I couldn't drive. My wife said, I'm driving. I couldn't. I was literally so inebriated with the Holy Spirit. And I think there's something that happened, and a lot of, a lot of what happened in, in, in the work and my walk with the Holy Spirit in my life 
was based on around with actually work, uh, walking with Andrew and Emma and, so, and, and Milani and, and Julie and some of the guys that you know so well as well, that there's something of the tangible force and anointing and power of the Holy Spirit that I wanted, that I desired. And so I embrace what the Holy Spirit wants to do, and I'm open to anything that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Okay, I'm saying this because what I'm going to speak to you about now is I spoke to you about this is that, but I want to relate to you and then what happens after Pentecost. See, we can have a great meeting here. We can have the move of the Spirit, and we can have people lying all over the floor, inebriated in the Spirit, people saying they're drunk, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and all these things that they said in, uh, uh, on the day of Pentecost. But what happens after? What happens after a meeting that you've had that, you've had this outbreak of the Holy Spirit, and there's incredible things happening, what happens in your week? What happens in the workplace? What happens in church life? Because that is not it. That's just a part of it. And so I felt this, this, this evening, and I'm going to go through it as quite quickly, okay? I'm hoping it's, I'm going to be do it as quickly as possible. But I'm not going to get through everything, but I want you to get the idea that there's more that the Lord wants to do in us than outside. So what you see when someone's, with like, the, like this evening when that lady was touched by the Holy Spirit, God was doing something. What you see was a shadow of actually what was happening inside. There's something that God was doing on the inside. When, when I'm lying on the, on the floor, slain in the Holy Spirit, I have to by faith accept God's doing something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing something on the inside. And often it's like I get up there and think, I'm in love with you, Jesus, more. And so I want to... This, this evening from my, from my side, being someone who's w- walked many years with the Lord, just saying, man, I embrace whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. Amen? And you guys, holy, I'm a Holy Spirit junkie. I, I love the move and the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I love Him. I love it. But I felt today that I want to share with you from Acts chapter 4. Now, Acts chapter 4 Follows Acts chapter 3. You can laugh there, okay. (laughs) Okay, so, yeah, follows. Now, chapter 3 is the Holy Spirit's broken out, the church is established, Acts 2, 42 to 47. We know the, 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 the value system that we have built our church life on, Acts chapter 2. Okay, that's, that's, that's us, that's Josh Jen, that's New Testament values, that's New Testament life and health. Chapter 3, Peter and John are walking down the street, and they heal a crippled man. You know the story. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. And they raise this guy, and he starts walking, goes into the temple praising. So that's chapter 3. Chapter 4 begins the journey of the church into persecution and opposition. So Pentecost was rah, 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 but a few days later, it's like, oh no, hard, this is going to be hard, this is going to be difficult. And what happened on Pentecost and the outbreak of the Holy Spirit 
is something that equips us for the then, what happens after that. And so I'm going to read, we're going to go through passages, and I'll just, oh, thank you, you're doing such a good job. Okay, so they are now before the Sanhedrin, Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin, and they're actually, they're being accused what, by what authority, how are you going, why are you doing this, how are you doing this, why are you doing it? It's like they questioned and they don't like it because they're getting a great big following of people and people getting saved. And so I'm going to try, I don't know if I'm going to get through to them all, is eight manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are indicators of the life of the Holy Spirit in us, the manifestations that are through, in and through persecution, through hardship, through pain, in your life from Monday to Sunday. Are you with me? So this is what happens in between a good meeting. <laughs> this is what happens in life and how we live our lives. And so uh, that Peter, this is all from chapter 4. You can, it's up there. You don't need to read it. I'd rather just share my heart, okay? I haven't got the exact verse, so I'm not going to give too many cross-references because I want you to get a heart, rather. Okay. So... They, they, that Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. The book of Acts, as I've been reading it over the past few weeks, there's one word that has just stood up in, uh, to me, full. What are you full of? What are you full of? And yeah, we see that Peter and John were full of the Holy Spirit. You see, they were filled. Jesus prophesied or spoke of them, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll become my witnesses. And they waited. They waited and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that filling wasn't, that infilling wasn't, you'll be filled once off. You will be filled, and you will be keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. Okay? So this is not an event. It's wonderful to come stand up here and receive the Holy Spirit. And what was this morning was happening, and I mean this evening, just praying and praying that the fire would come in and all that. But that is an event that ignites something else that's going to give you uh, energy and give you perseverance, whatever is needed to live this week into the next, into the next, with consistency and with passion for Jesus. Amen? So, so the first thing that we see, the first manifestation, the first character trait of the, of the Spirit that's come to living, live in us is an absolute trust and dependence on the person of the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Holy Spirit we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are inspired by the Holy Spirit. We are ignited by the Holy Spirit. We live by the Holy Spirit. We live, breathe, move. The, the breath is spoken to these dry bones. It's the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to drink some water now because... Is this okay? <laughs> are you guys all right? So I'm speaking a little bit from my life, and so... So I wanted to say that, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Can you visualize this? God, God, the creator of the universe, 
the one who is before all and uh, before it all and is going to be after it ends. The one who is is what's the word? Um, everlasting. Omnipotent, that's the word. Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all those big words that you know about God. That God living in you and me. Just let that sink a little bit. God in you. God in me. Wow. Beautiful. That the living God has chosen to restrict himself in a measure, but unrestrict himself through us. Just think. Think of that truth. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into his disciples. And the person, the third person of the Godhead, come and said, I'm going to come and live inside of you. I'm a guarantee of your salvation. Ephesians 1. It's a beautiful picture. And those who are full of the Holy Spirit are those who are consistently being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay, so what are you full of? We have everything we need. Hey, yay! <laughs> we have everything we need in the Holy Spirit. We don't need anything else. We need, a, we need the Holy Spirit. He helps us with reading the Word. He helps us with how we love people. He's all we need. And so, the first manifestation of the Spirit is this connection, this intimate encountering connection that we have with the Holy Spirit. Okay, next slide. Okay, so that's the first one. Right, I love this thing. What are you full of? Okay, so it says there, so... If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Sorry, that's, that, so that's Acts chapter 40. The other one is chapter 3. So he's saying that they are standing from the Sanhedrin for acts of kindness. How beautiful would it be for Josh Jen? Amanus to be known for their acts of kindness. Peter and John, this is, comes from chapter 3, says, Peter and John saying to the lame man, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Let's not actually give you what I have. Give you who I have. Who I have. As I said just now, we have Jesus by the Holy Spirit in us. Every single one of us can operate in acts of kindness, compassion. What I love about the story about the lame man is if you understand context, understand context, that lame people in those days had a stigma attached to them. Stigma that their sin had put them there. They were outcasts, they were orphans. They had no place in society. And for, I think it was 38 years, I can't remember, 38 years, people ridiculing him, people blaming him, shaming him, the weight of guilt and shame upon him for 38 years. And then some people come and throwing them a little bit of coins or a few crumbs 
That's how he lived. That was his life. His mat, his, 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 uh, where he was positioned there, his begging became his identity. And in a moment, in a moment of compassion, two men who had Jesus inside of them, the compassion of Jesus, said, it says, I love the fact that it says there, uh, what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's who I have I give. Okay. Then Peter, I love this. I love this. What a beautiful picture of the church. Took the lame man by the hand. Took the lame man by the hand. We as, we as a church and churches need to be aware of what's happening around us and the needs around us and the people that are in desperation, that are people that are paralyzed by sin, people that are have been broken by the fall, people that are hurting, relationships that have destroyed them in pain and heartache. We have Jesus, and we need to be open our eyes and see. And it's not just get up and stand up on your own feet. It's actually reaching down, picking them up. It's what God did. God, man, you look at the story of God through the Bible. Whenever God saw like the, the is, uh, Israelites in Egypt, I've seen their cries, I've seen their misery, and now I'm coming to do something about it. Are we a church willing to do something about it when we see the misery? Sometimes we walk past misery because it's too uncomfortable, because it's too difficult, or because the sacrifice may be too great. What do you see, number one, and are you willing to do something about what we see? We as a community, we as a church are called to be a healing community. People that with compassion see the needs of others and do something about it. Amen? So one of the greatest manifestations of the Spirit, as much as I love the outward, is this deep compassion to see a broken world come to wholeness. Okay. Okay, what a, what a beautiful thing we have, you know. The church, I'm telling you, we've got the greatest, we've got the greatest mission, man. Greatest mission, and love it. Okay. Number three. Okay, the next one over there. Conviction of truth. So they are. So they said, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Let me tell you something about the gospel. In case you need reminding, the gospel is the best news there is. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel, the message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ, crucified, was raised from the dead so that you and I can have eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the power of God for the salvation of anyone and everyone who who chooses to believe in that message, in Jesus. No matter how old, no matter how young, no matter what background it is, no matter what race you are, no matter what culture, no matter what language you are, there's a universal language. There's, there's, one, there's one message. You need Jesus, otherwise <laughs> you're going to Christless, godless eternity. Message, believe it. Trust in Jesus. That's the message we carry. And you know what? That message keeps us close to Jesus. I got saved in 1970, Easter weekend, 1970. That gospel message that saved me that day is still saving me today. 
Okay? Whoa! Whoa, okay. Does he not believe he's... No. If I remember what Jesus did on that day, it keeps me close to Jesus. It keeps me thankful. It keeps me gra- uh, uh, grateful. It keeps me... I want This, I want to give my life for Jesus. Uh, until the day I die, God, by God's grace, I keep going because of the God me- message of the gospel. It keeps on saving me. It keeps me close. It keeps, my, keeps me close to God. It keeps me close to Him. Understanding the love of God, understanding the grace of God. I need His grace every day. Without that love, I can't do what God wants me to do. And so the gospel is a message of power. So it's a message that transforms lives. It's a message that transforms communities. Never stray away. This one thing, Josh Jen, we stay on course. The one thing that we have to agree on, the most important thing, is the message of the gospel that Jesus saves. By giving your life to you. That's it. If there's nothing else we get right, I think we need to get a lot of things right. But that is the one thing. The gospel message. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful message. Let's see if I've said everything there. Yes, I have. So are we full of the Holy Spirit? Full of that Holy Spirit. Are we full of compassion? Are we full of conviction? Do you believe so much in the, in the message of the gospel that this will keep you persevering no matter what comes your way? What did Paul do in prison? What did Peter do in prison? Preach the gospel. That's the gospel that kept him close to God. The message of the gospel. Number four. Okay. Courage. <laughs> courage. Faith. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they, had been, uh, they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I won't read the whole passage there. When we planted the church, so some of you may not know that Kim and I planted the church in Mossel Bay in the year 2000. Okay, so we planted, uh, we sold a house um, to go, and we lived on that for basically for two years, uh, and we did it with great joy. So there's stuff we gave up for the church, and we, and we went in quite naive, which is maybe a good thing. <laughs> you know what to expect, okay, when you're church planting? And uh, I want to tell you, uh, there were times that was like, Brooke stands still, your boss is bong me. Like, for those of you who don't understand, I was scared. The Lord, the Lord spoke to us um, about starting, uh, I think it was that stage, a five or six million rand project on a building when he spoke to us about a building with 80 people. And none of them were like, very wealthy people. Brooks on stool. I felt the weight. But you see, courage isn't a feeling. Bold and courageous has not got to be do with anything about my circumstance, my feeling. Bold and courageous is about in whom I trust and what God has said. The antidote for fear, the antidote for fear of circumstances is fear of the Lord. The 
Where is it? I just want to see if it's there. Okay. Um, in Mark chapter, there's, I'll relay it in Mark. We know about uh, Jesus uh, has just performed the miracle of the five loaves and the, and the two fish, and he's fed the, the 5,000. Then he says to his disciples, you go to the other side. I'm going up to pray. And you go read it. I think it's Mark chapter 4, I think it is, or 6. Mark chapter 6. And he's on, and then while he's out there praying, Jesus knew what was going to happen ahead of time. He's there praying, and then there's this hefty wind that comes up on the lake, on the sea. And it says the wind was battering them, and they were straining at the oars, and they were making, it says they were making no headway. And they're fearful. They didn't know what was going to happen. And it says, it's beautiful, it says, and Jesus saw them. We need to know that Jesus sees where we're at. He knows. He speaks. He, he said, go to the other side. He said, build a building. Any of you been to the uh, Mossel Bay building lately? Go. See what God has done. See, the, uh, see a work completed. See a vision, a dream fulfilled. We didn't finish it. But God finished it. And as the work continues, but I'm talking about that faith thing that we did. He saw where we were at. And it says, then he went out to them. And he saw they were fearful. And he says, he gets in the boat. Speaks to the wind and the waves and the calm comes. Man, is Jesus in your boat? You see the fear of the Lord. And it says they, they feared him. They were like in awe of Jesus. And that's all that fear that keeps us close to him. You know what the fear of the Lord is like? Okay. I want you to visualize this. This is how it can be courageous, okay? Think of a lion, a lion, okay? This big, beautiful male lion. Ooh! 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 Is that good? Yeah. Eh? You like it, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Then I want you to visualize that you're a little in the dark. The, the, the clouds are covering the moon pitch black. And you're this little impala. And you Ooh. I actually quite like that. <laughs> are you getting scared? <laughs> no, no. Okay. That little... Impala is petrified and paralyzed with fear. Am I right? It's, it's paralyzed. The, the Bible says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion because he wants to paralyze you. He wants to paralyze you. He doesn't want to... He, he, courageous Christianity is not what he wants to look for. But now I want you to visualize. Ooh. Yeah, that. You can visualize it too. Okay. But instead of being, instead of being the impala, you're the lion cub. Ooh, think of that. Man, that lion's roar is safe. That lion's roar is scattering the enemy. That lion's roar is saying, this is my territory. These are my cubs, they're mine. I think we should stay close to God.
because his roar is very good. His roar calms the, calms the storm. The, f- the, a- the way we stay courageous is stay close to Jesus. Let him be in the boat. Okay. That was for free, by the way, that demonstration. <laughs> okay. You get the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the most beautiful thing around. And I'm going to take a quick sip of water. And I'm going to try and land this quickly. So, are you full of courage? Number four, five. Consecrated to community. I love this. I love this. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Don't you love that? Their own people. My family, my personal family, blood family, I've come from a family of six siblings at the last census. Okay. <laughs> okay, there were six of us. Every single one of my siblings have immigrated. My mom and dad immigrated, and they, we liter- my brothers and sisters, my blood brother, literally spread all over the world. When my, when my mom and dad, when they left to go to Auckland in New Zealand, they said, why don't you come? We're both teachers, we can get a job. Kim and I said, God hasn't said so. God has said we need to go plant a church, that's what we need to do. My blood family went overseas, and my family now is... You guys, <laughs> and you, <laughs> yes, you, my own people, my own people, fellowship and friendship and in this thing together, man. Man, I'd, I, I wouldn't do anything else. Friendship and, and committed to community and committed to people and family. God puts the lonely in family. And you and I are part of this beautiful family. At the, and our surname is Josh Jen. Our first name is Christian. I hope. Christian, Josh Jen, that doesn't kind of ring. But anyway. And one of the things that we've had to do is devote ourselves to our own people. And one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is a devotion and commitment to relationships in our family. Amen? You're there. Okay, next one. I'm going through these. There's a consecration. I'm giving myself, devoting myself to family. I had just a quick story. So my youngest grandchild, her name's Matty. She's four years old. So we go on a trip. We're away for about five weeks. And, and we get on very well with my grandkids. And very well. And, and we come back, and in the mo- she goes to bed the night. They were actually living with us at the time uh, because they b- were building a house. And in the middle of the night, Matty, four years old, wakes up in the night and says to Mom, Mommy, Nan and Papa are back, and I've got lots of hugs in me. <laughs> lots of hugs. Family. Lots of hugs. Why did I tell you that? Man, we need to be... Sh- giving each other lots of hugs. Something like that, okay? Okay. Committed to prayer and worship. Okay, when they heard this, they raised, they came and reported everything back, and their first response was prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. The next manifestation is of people that are full of commitment to prayer, full of prayer and praise and 
and that kind of thing. So when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer, and there's the prayer that they prayed, and I love this. Uh, after they prayed, the place of the meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There's this commitment. There's this commitment to prayer and to worship. Here's the next picture. You don't want to, there's this very interesting story I'm going to tell you. So, there's this painting, a uh, guy by the name of, his surname's Lippi. I think it's Federico Lippi. He was from the, eight, uh, from, the, from the Renaissance prayer, the painting. So this painting was uh, a painting of Ma- uh, Mary and there's two saints. I can't remember their names. Anyway, you'll get the, you'll get the gist of it. So this painting is hanging in London, in the, in the London Art Museum. Is that right? Art ga- uh, Gallery, not museum. Art Gallery. And for many, many years, art critics would walk up that painting Something's not right here. Hmm. Everything seems out of perspective. It's like the heads are too big, looking in the wrong direction. The trees are. So the art critics looked at it for many, many years. For many years it was hanging there. And then one day, one day an art critic went there, stand, and did the same thing. Hmm. Hmm. I'm actually play acting now, by the way. I don't know if you actually did this. I wasn't there. <laughs> mm. Maybe this painting wasn't meant to hang in an art gallery. This was meant to hang in a church. it. Everything's in perspective now. Everything makes sense. Pray. Where we spend time with God and get his perspective and pray for his perspective and pray for his power and pray for him to give us the boldness that's needed. Prayer is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We need to be committed to pray. I'm going through these things very quickly. So those who, the uh, uh, manifestation of the Spirit, those who are deeply committed to prayer. Number seven, there are two more I'm going to land very uh, quickly, okay. All the believers were in one heart, one mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had, etc., etc. So there it is. There is a contending, constant contending for unity. We're in this thing together. We're in this thing together. There's a tuning fork. Tuning fork that tunes to the, to, to the, what's it, the pitch of heaven. And then all the piano things are, are in line with that. Because, you know, the chords, when you tune it, it's to that. And there's a sense that every congregation has a song to sing. I wish I could do that now, but you know, there's, this, there's songs that are sung and they sound beautiful because they've got a beautiful melody. But when you sing the same song in harmony, it's just 
If I'd had an opportunity, I'd do that, but we don't have time now. Where it's the same song, you're singing the same beat, but it's just a different semitone, whatever it is, but the same song, the same note, the same words. But it's this beautiful sound where we together, the song, every single congregation has that. And when you get it out of tune, I could do this on a guitar, but I won't do it as my guitar. You just like a little bit out on a guitar string, the whole, and you try and play a chord, the whole guitar sounds terrible. Your words, what you say, the attitude of your heart, are you in tune with the tuner before you say anything? Contend for unity. Contend for it. What they did was, if you read what they did, there's two things they did. And I'm just going to say them and leave them there. And God's grace was powerfully at work in them all, that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, they would sell their possessions and give. Two things I want to say. And there's a lot more to unity you can say, but two things the power of testimony. You testify what God is doing. If you testify about what God is doing, it's very difficult to say <laughs> ugly things about other people. It's how we build a culture of honor. You testify about what God is doing. And secondly, generosity. Give. Give. Those are two things. If you're generous and you're speaking what God is doing in your life, I'm telling you it's going to be very difficult to say anything bad about the leaders or about someone else. Am I right? There's two pointers. Finally, says they consumed by God's purpose. Says they with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There is within us a motivation that the gospel message we have needs to be so instilled in us that we are those who understand that we're on a mission. There's a mission. We are, we're going to boldly speak the message wherever we are in our lives, in, our, in the workplace, at schools, at university, wherever we are, there's this mission that we're on. It's the gospel of the good news. They preach boldly. We're on a mission. Hermanus, I think people can become quite comfortable, yeah? And I want to stir your comfort zones. God's put you here for a reason, and it's not to retire. For those of you older and for those of you younger, see a lot of younger people. He's come here to reignite or ignite or put flame or whatever it is, or just more flame, blow more flame to become everything God wants you to be and run with God. I'm telling you, I trust by God's grace that till the day I die, like Will Marie, I'm going to be going for Jesus. Going for Jesus. I'm trusting that uh, this message has been an encouragement and a little bit of fun in between, but don't forget that we've got this incredible story to tell. The book of Acts ends with Paul saying, welcomed all visitors, the last two verses. Ends on quite an anticlimax, actually. And Paul, after all his travels, after imprisonments, beatings, snake bites, shipwrecks, you go read it. It's like, make a movie about this. Or beat the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and all that. Uh, 
And it ends with, and Paul welcomed all visitors that came. It's a wonderful picture of church. And preached the word of God boldly. And next, what, 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 what? No. Because it was actually a comma, not a full stop. Because the book of Acts is actually you and I continuing that story. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is there so that we can continue the God story as long as we live. Amen. Bless you guys. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for our time together. Father, we pray that as we go into this week, Lord, that we would be different because of what you've done in us. Father, that our hearts would be different. Father, that we would never be the same. And so, Father, we pray tonight for your spirit to be upon us, Lord, as we leave this place. And we love you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.